this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am so pumped today to have my good friend here with me, Gabe. Gabe, thanks for joining me. Hey, glad to be here, Emily. Thank you. Um, Gabe, I was shocked to hear that this is actually his first podcast he's ever been on because like, this guy spews wisdom and he is so fun to have a conversation with. And that's just what we're going to do today is You've heard me talk on our podcast before. We're just going to have a fun talk. And I can't wait for you to see the heart that Gabe has, not only for people, but for what he does, for safety, for others. It's just amazing. And I, I'm blessed to know you. So, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. I'm super excited about this. This is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so the show is called Unapologetically Bold. Um, but before we get into that, I would love to ask you if you could just tell the people, the listeners, like a little bit about yourself, like who, who's Gabe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Gabe Incarnashan. Um, I've been uh, running a uh, small safety distribution company here in uh, uh, Santa Fe Springs, California for probably about the last 10 years. Um, so I manage the operations there. Uh, overall, I think to describe myself, I think I'm just a naturally curious person. Um, I'm constantly just tinkering with things and just, uh, I, I tell people I'm just, always kind of running experiments either on on uh, how my organization runs or how I interact with people or even how my how I do things and my habits. Uh, I'm passionate about work and the way that people do their work. And uh, I think safety is a huge part of that. So it's been really awesome to be part of this industry. That is so awesome. And I think it I think, again, it the work that you've done and continue to do. And I think it actually flows in to kind of like what you're not sorry for too. So the unapologetically bold aspect of it. So what are you no longer apologizing for? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, I'm not sorry for calling out the needs. Um, I think that coming into any sort of organization or in any sort of leadership role, um, you'll tend to find things that, that need fixing. Um, I was in the exact same boat when I came into my company you know, 10 years ago. and uh, I, I, to be honest, I came in kind of guns blazing, <laughs> realizing that there was a lot of stuff that needed to be fixed. And uh, some things I did well and other things I did poorly. Um, but what I realized was that there was a sense of hesitation that I was, that I, that I had basically when stuff would come up. Um, either it was because I didn't want to offend people or I was afraid I would make mistakes or that I couldn't figure out what the solution would be. Um, and so I would find myself either being quiet or just tolerating certain things, um, which never made the problem go away. In fact, it would make it worse. Uh, so, uh, yeah, after a certain time, I started to feel like, you know, this isn't working. Stuff, stuff needs to change here and I'm having problems with it. And uh, realizing that I need to 
to have that courage to call out when there's a need, um, either professionally or personally. And I think that's important too, like to have that courage first, you kind of got to have some self-confidence with it. And I know that we talked about this prior, but I'd love to dive in a little bit deeper. How important it is to know your needs, like to know you. So whenever you like your strengths and you know, like whenever you see stuff that you can walk out in that confidence in it too, to, to say, Hey, I, for like example, for me, I'm a people pleaser. I know that I have that, that struggle that comes with it. But whenever I know that I see a need, I want to be able to call it out and being honest and saying, okay, here is, here's the reason why I'm saying this, not only my personal work, but I know that this is for my experiences. So talk about that for a minute, like how important it is. I call it the you work to do your own interpersonal work so that you can in in return do the out work. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely necessary to do that. Um, I'll I'll kind of share a personal story with it. And one of the things that kind of helped me understand even where this was coming from and why it was so difficult for me, um, whenever my wife would ask me, well, what would you like to do this weekend? Um, That was such a difficult question for me to answer. Um, And and it was so hard. And I started to realize that it was becoming a difficult question thing for me to answer and and started to dig into that and see why. Um, as I started to do that, you know, as you mentioned, the you work, um, started to see that, okay, I, first of all, don't really know what it is that I want. Um, so even answering a basic question, like, what do you want to do for this weekend? I have no idea. Um, the other thing I realized too, is that I was waiting for a response from her first. Um, and it again, going back to the whole people pleasing thing, that was part of it, is that I didn't even want to address what it was that I wanted, or I couldn't even pinpoint what it is, was that I wanted, because I was waiting for a prompt from somebody else in order to please them, as if there was some sort of a, uh, like an agenda that I was waiting for, or, or something like that. And I mean, that's just one of those, you know, can open worms everywhere situations. But that's where it began for me was realizing, first of all, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I want. And so how could I even translate that into a professional role or even as a leader? If I don't know what it is that I want, how do I create a direction and a purpose for the rest of my team? So realizing that first and foremost, I needed to do that work on myself and figure out what the heck was going on so that I could then translate that to other people. So that was a journey that began months ago and uh, continues to this day. Um, but now, you know, even starting off with that idea of understanding what I want, um, that's so critical because if I can't even articulate that, how do I even tell people what it is that they're supposed to be doing and, and the direction we're supposed to head as an organization? That's so powerful, like beyond powerful on that aspect because so many people I have seen deal with that that like they put on different masks. And so like whenever they're in their work world, it's like, okay, I can, I want, I I want this. I don't know, but I feel like based on conditioning. So they all do things based on how their, their past experiences of, instead of asking that question, why, like, why do I want this? Or why do I feel I need this? Or why, like you did, basically you you went in further and explored the why did you not want or why did you not know what you were going to do? And I think one of my favorite things is ask why five times, Mm. like, whoo, that can get deep 
really quick, <laughs> but it's powerful, you know? And so I think that flows into the next part of it is calling out the needs. When was the first time like you called out a need? And I know that you said at the beginning, you, you came in guns blazing, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm a very, um, persistent is a word that gets told to me a lot. Um, <laughs> It keeps coming and I keep coming back for some reason. So accountability might be in our tagline for a reason. But all that to say is like, how did you, how much have you grown from calling out the needs from then to now? And how has it morphed? How's it changed? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, even I'll, I'll kind of think about the professional side and the personal side. And I know that there's a, um, those two really mesh, especially as an entrepreneur, but even from a personal side, um, the first job that I had um, right after college, I remember um, just kind of get, being in a situation where the, the work just kept getting piled on me. And I kept waiting for management to do something or say something about it. And I never said anything, um, just trying to feel like, or feeling like, okay, I'm, going to be the good employee and not say anything and not rock the boat, not realizing that it was just starting to do damage and eating away at me. Um, by the time I finally said, I need some serious help with this, that came basically as me saying, I need out. Um, and my manager was was kind of surprised. And, and that was my first lesson in saying, in realizing that I need to call out these needs early especially when it's my need. Um, so I'll, that was my mistake was to not say that early enough. Um, and that was, that was years ago. Now with where I am, um, you know, at this point in my career, um, now I'm in charge of other people. There's not really the people that are, um, that I'm reporting to. It's more that others are reporting to me. So the dynamic is a little bit different. Um, so calling out the need looks a little bit different. Now it's not necessarily me going to a supervisor asking for help. Now it might be me going to an employee and saying, Hey, I need you to step it up in this area, or maybe even still, I need help with these kinds of things. And so can you help me out in this area? Um, so now I've, I've started to realize that having those conversations, it's still difficult for me. I mean, that's, that hasn't changed. But I think what has changed is the awareness that do I want it to be difficult now or do I want it to be really difficult later? <laughs> so I'd much rather have those painful conversations early on when the problem is still small and I can still feel like I can do something about it instead of me getting to the point where it's just an explosive situation and I've been stuffing this thing down for so long and now it gets to be really damaging to others. Um, that sounds like an over, now that I'm saying it, it sounds super oversimplified, <laughs> that whole process, but it has been such a journey of growth. Um, and again, as we talked about early on, it starts off with asking for help and asking, why am I even having this problem? Why is it so difficult for me to, to say this needs to be fixed or this needs to be done? Um, and that, that's a whole other, that's a whole other ball of wax <laughs> when it gets down to it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because it makes me think on two things. It makes me think of like a festering sore. Like if you keep picking at it like or a scab, like if you keep picking at it and keep picking at it, it's just going to get it's just going to be worse and worse and worse. You know, or like if you have a cut and you have a splinter in it and you don't do anything with it. It just like if you don't clean it out, the sooner yep. that you address it, 
the quicker there is a likely more chance that it does not go big and huge and make it worse than it is. It also makes me go back to the story of one of my, um, my dad, one of his coworkers, like he got a cut and, and dad told him, he's like, Hey, you need to go take care of that. Like here, let's put alcohol on it. Da, da, da. And he went and he wouldn't like clean it out. And he's like, come on, you're doing it. And he still wouldn't like he, re- he totally refused treatment. Well, guess what? He ended up in the ER with sepsis because of a tiny nick. But that's how many things can happen. And it, the other thing that goes in my brain is small people problems are small people problems. Big people problems are big people problems. And, and it's almost like the same thing with, with business or our journey and our growth. When they're small, they're easier to, to work with. Right. When they're big they're giants and there's so many more tools and techniques and resources and people that have to all come in. So how do you call out needs, especially, and also give the why behind it whenever you see them small? That That's a, that's a really good point too. And, you know, going back even to your, your comment about your, your dad's employee in that cut, uh, what I've realized and what, what made me even, see that this needed to be dealt with and I need to change in this area was that um, I wouldn't, I would choose not to say anything because I didn't want to rock the boat. So it was my way of, of trying to maintain some sort of calm or, or, uh, you know, stasis or some sort of uh, situation like that. Um, But what I would start to realize is that it would affect other people around me. Uh, for me personally, if I was having issues that I wasn't dealing with and I didn't want to bring it up because of ego or fear or or not wanting to, um, you know, offend my my family or the people closest to me, guess what? It actually did. And it it would do it in a in a very damaging way. Uh, same thing professionally. If there was an employee that I was not uh, dealing with or I was tolerating some sort of behavior, uh, this has happened before. Um you know, and again, acting out of fear. I don't want to lose this employee because then I'd have to hire somebody else and I don't have the time for that. Or, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal and they're going to get offended. Well, guess what? Everybody else around that employee saw that there was a problem. And worse yet, it started to affect my ability to lead the team because, you know, nothing motivates or nothing demotivates a good employee quite like watching a leader tolerate a bad employee. Um, so that was a huge problem. Uh, so addressing those needs early now, part of it is realizing how bad it is to address it when it's too late. Um, to go back to <laughs> your example, I've I've been in those situations where something has been too bad where, you know, now we've got to do some major surgery to get this taken care of. Um, so that's part of my motivation is that I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go through that pain if I can avoid it. And the discomfort of first having that conversation with the employee and saying, hey, this is where you probably need to improve or we need to change this and what you're doing. Um, it, that's so much better than having that difficult conversation or uh, you know that conflict later on. Um, so I, I think when I address those needs with, with my team, it's really a combination of things and it, it has to i think my sensitivity to that employee and the way that they communicate and what needs to be done in that situation is absolutely critical sometimes they do need a kick in the butt sometimes they just need someone to come alongside them and say i agree with you this is terrible how are we going to fix it 
Um, I've experienced that with all different people. And the thing with people is that we're all completely different. So we have to have a you know, a deep bag of tricks and deep, deep toolbox to be able to address those needs to where each person is in that specific moment and with that specific issue. Yeah, I think that's important too. My next question is, oh man, there's so many ways I want to go with this too. <laughs> one, I hear consistency, the power of consistency. Absolutely. Let's start with that one. So how important is it to be consistent whenever you're calling out on needs? Oh, it's super consistent. Um, you know, looking back at uh, at the safety industry in general, what tends to happen is that, you know, you'll get a safety manager, someone that comes in or or corporate will say, okay, we need to change this thing. And they they put up banners or posters on the walls and have slogans and do a big launch and everything. And, and people are looking at it and just thinking, okay, this is great. And if there's no follow-up beyond that launch, guess what? everybody starts moving back to what they were doing before. Um, I keep telling people inertia is a powerful force. Um, if you're moving in a certain direction, it takes a lot of effort to try and turn that battleship and move it in a different direction. Um, what happens is that for a leader, if you're trying to launch something like that, if you have a major need that you call out and you try to fix it, it takes a lot of energy. And if you want fast change, you're going to need to apply a lot of force very, very quickly. And there's going to be damage either to you or to your organization that happens. Now, the other option, which I've found to be, work out really well, mainly because it helps me keep my sanity too, is that you take smaller steps, but you apply them consistently over time. And what I found is that the first couple of times you do it, people think you're weird and they think you're doing something odd. And it's like, well, Gabe's crazy and doing this thing. And um, But then as it keeps going, they start to realize, wow, he's not letting up. This is going to keep going. And this is part of our culture now. Um, and so it becomes a habit. I mean, it's mm -hmm. basically just like building any sort of habit. If you decide you want to start exercising and working out, sure, you can go and drop thousands of dollars on equipment and a gym membership and all this stuff and you'll find yourself being really demotivated possibly afterwards or you can start taking small steps and apply them consistently and you start building that habit and then you get this flywheel effect mm -hmm. of start moving and moving and soon enough you realize wow this is this is part of me now and this is going to start working and i think that's where long lasting meaningful change actually occurs Oh, I agree. And it's that snowball effect. And, and yep. like even what we tell people, it's like you didn't get here in a day, so you're not going to get to where you want to be in a day. And it's these are long, like specifically in the work that I do, like either, either wellness, safety or, or performance management, know wherever it's at. It is <laughs> long journeys. It's usually two to five year strategies. And what you talked about, too, is I love that how you said about pressure and and. I nerd out about the actual science of pressure. What it is, it's pressure is force over an area. Um, and so the thing is, is if you have a broader area. So what I say is if you have more people, if you have more teams of geniuses that can come along beside you, you don't feel as much pressure on it. And so in the aspect of calling out needs, it, it's the thing that, you know, your values based what we talked in the beginning about knowing your you work. But then being able to walk out in your strengths, but then whenever you have other people's strengths with it, it, it's it makes such a big impact. And it makes me also think of a 
a situation I've had recently where I had a client call uh, call me just they hadn't been sleeping. Hmm. They're an, um, an executive and, and they called me They're like, oh, man, my team messed up big and it's going to really impact their paycheck. Like. I fixed it in the past. And I feel like they think they that that they're going to see that I, I need. I'm like, OK. You know what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and what I always gave the example of is it's like you're like my kids, like if my kids, if I don't teach them to clean up after themselves, they're going to expect me to do it every time. You know, it's that ownership, that aspect that comes on. And so that then the the generational effect of like, if I call out my needs and then I teach others to pe- people to call out needs, then then they can call it like it, it's a generational and, and a, a big momentum inertia to go with it. So after that conversation with it, He's like, well, I'm just a fixer. I'm a fixer. And so how do people <laughs> that want to call out needs, because you see there's a fix, but you can't fix it. You also have to have people. What do you do with that? Oh, goodness. Boy, talk about digging deep on that one. <laughs> um, I, I am a, a big fixer. I mean, that is, I, I think it's, it's served me well in the past. Um, but what you start to realize is that, your resources are limited, uh, whether that's time, money, um, your own physical strength, your mental capacity, all those things, there, there are limits to them. Um, and at a certain point, you just can't do it. Um, you, you, will, you will suffer deeply for it. I mean, you talk about this executive that was, that was losing sleep. I mean, I, I, I'm just an insomniac and uh, sleep has gotten better, but there were times where I would run on a couple hours of sleep for weeks at a time, that it's damaging. Um, and what I started to realize too is that I was trying to, I would tell my employees, hey, if you need help, please ask for it. If you need help, please ask for it. Raise your hand. I can't fix it for you if I don't know that it's happening. Nobody would bring anything up or it would be very rare that that would happen. And what I realized was that as a leader, I was not setting that example. I was coming into the situation saying, I can do all of this and I'll deal with it. But I never came to a point where I would ask for help or very rarely come to a point where I would ask for help. And so what example was that setting for my team? It was not that, you know, you can ask for help when you need it. It was more like, well, you have to figure this thing out. And we're all we all have to figure this thing out by ourselves. So realizing that I have to set that example for my team first to ask for help. Um, I think also going back to realizing how not giving that opportunity to people is also really damaging. <sighs> Me asking for help is actually helping someone to show what they know. It, it allows them to be an expert in something. Um, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable enough with saying that I don't know everything. There's a lot that I'm still definitely learning. Um, and there are other people in my organization that have experience that is beyond what I would have. Mm-hmm. So, it's great for them to be able to bring them into a situation where I can say, I think you have something that can help me and help the rest of our organization out. Can you tell me about this? And to really come at it from a perspective of a learner uh, instead of an, someone that has everything figured out and all the answers, um, I think people like being experts in something. So to ask for help 
uh, actually builds up confidence in the rest of my team and helps them mm. grow. So it's not just a benefit for me because now it's I'm not shouldering all of that pressure by myself. Um, now it's actually building growth and and encouragement for the people that I'm managing as well. That's so powerful too because it it makes such a difference whenever you allow other people to learn and then that delegation, you know, um, it's that collaborative approach that sometimes can be hard, but it also takes vulnerability and it takes courage and it has, it takes ego out of it at times, you know, Absolutely. Um, and the power of group thinking, um, you know, this, um, I, through LinkedIn the other day, I learned that people have images in their brain. And like, so this is probably yeah. anybody listening to this, this is going to sound really weird to y'all. Um, I can't see like people's faces. I don't have images in my brain. And so the whole time I've been teaching, like I teach a lot about like negative thoughts, how or thoughts that own you, mm -hmm. like those owning thoughts. How do you deal with them? I'm like, oh, crap. Now we have images with it. I'm like, <laughs> what do we do with that now? And it's been so interesting just that just to put that out there because I'm not a genius in that department. I don't I can't experience it. And it's the same thing, I think, with like people that are working like in the front lines. Like we can't experience what they do. Like we can see it. like when I can't I can't see it. But like people can see you can walk up to somebody and you can do audits and you can like change roles and stuff. But how important it is to actually have that person that does it day in and day out is you know, when you get my, uh, you've seen my emails, the kiss of death mm -hmm. is to be the genius with 10,000 helpers instead be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. And I, and again, I think it's beyond important. Like what you said about from calling out the needs to being able to grow and to help and connect with one another. So oh, my little happy part is just like, <laughs> I love every bit of it. So people are, are apologizing for calling out needs. What would you tell them? I think first and foremost, find out why. Why are you apologizing for that? Um, and even the, even starting with the physical reaction to it, um, kind of going back to to my experience a little bit. You know, I would I would get this tightness in my stomach or this this feeling of hesitation and and not being able to come up with an answer to a question of this needs to you know what do you want to do for the weekend? Um, that was that was kind of bothering me quite a bit. And I started to dig into that understanding of why is this an issue? And I think once you start to understand the why in it, you start to see that there are both external and internal factors that are affecting that. Uh, if you are having a problem calling out needs in your organization, maybe it's because you have a manager that isn't listening to you. Maybe the company culture is not conducive to that. Or there are different channels that you have to go through in order to, to express those needs or, or those desires. Um, maybe it's an internal thing. Maybe you don't feel in, empowered to do it. Uh, maybe it's deeper than that. Uh, you have some insecurities or something of that sort. But understanding the why uh, behind why you're even apologizing, because I think we can all agree that, that calling out needs is a good thing. Uh, mm -hmm. If someone needs something, absolutely ask for help. Raise your hand. Awesome. Well, I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. And everybody that listen in, y'all have a blessed one. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.